Storehouse Dallas. Can I tell you something? God is in the business of, I really believe right now, and this week, and I said it last night at um, Sojourn, and I'm going to be there uh, tomorrow night and Saturday morning. We're doing our whole second level prophetic school. So if you've never gone through uh, a second level prophetic school, which that's like really like for advanced people. So I can tell you guys are advanced. It's like second level. All right, we're going to be doing that. Um, actually, what it is, it's I've taught um, at Randy Clark's school from the first year he started it. He had me come and teach in uh, prophetic evangelism. And then uh, what, I, what I'm teaching on this week is particularly the seer gift and how the seer gift works in the marketplace. I'm going to tell stories about guys that are seers, that are scientists, that are uh, entrepreneurs, business creators, people in government, people that I've worked with and people that I continue to work with in the marketplace. So we're going to talk about that. If you are interested in growing in the prophetic, we're going to be doing live exercises, messing with each other, getting each other's face, and getting in God's face for each other. So it's going to be a lot of fun uh, tomorrow night and uh, Saturday morning. Uh, so that's what, that's what I'm here for this weekend, or this week, and I'm really psyched that I get to be here tonight at this place. Um, and I said this last night, and I want to say this again. I, I really feel like there's something in the atmosphere where God is... He's going back to promises that are 20, 21 years old in your life. Some of you aren't even over 21 years old. I'm just saying he's going back to promises that are old. And he's, he is fulfilling things that you thought just you gave up on, you gave up hope on. In fact, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Some of you are heartbroken because of promises that went unfulfilled. But God's coming. And the Bible even says he's close to the brokenhearted. He's close, to, which means whenever your heart grows sick, he gets closer to you. He's not, he's not like some sort of finicky person. It's like when, when your heart's broken, that he, he moves away from you, actually moves closer to you. He's, he's acquainted with our grief. There's something in the revival culture that we, we have to understand is that there is no growing, growth forward without suffering. And the word suffering, I don't define it as God does something bad to you so that he can teach you something. It's actually God showing you what he wants to do. And when you see what God wants to do and what's happening, it's so incongruent. And the word suffering in the Bible actually says, in Romans 5, it says that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, hope. Or perseverance, character and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. Right? So suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. That means in the world, suffering produces hopelessness, but in the kingdom, suffering produces hope. Why? Because suffering isn't just enduring through something that's bad. Suffering is actually wearing down the bad until the good happens. The word suffering actually means to rub against something. And what it means is when your circumstances are the opposite of the truth, the truth rubs out your circumstances. The, the circumstances don't rub out the truth. So some of you have been going through suffering and, and you feel like your heart's grown sick. You've broken hearted and, and God's coming in and he's rubbing out the circumstances with the truth and he's healing broken hearts. That's the good thing. God doesn't just come and commiserate with your broken heart. He turns it into hope. 
<laughs> so that's really what he's doing. And in fact, I'm seeing that happen everywhere we go. And we just came back, like I said, from South Africa and the UK. They're really brokenhearted because they lost in the World Cup. But I'm not, I'm, I was going for England. I really wanted to see England go all the way this year. But since Brazil got out, because I was really going for Brazil. But I didn't tell them that when I got there because Brazil was already out. So I told them I was going for you guys. And then when I was in France, I was thinking, maybe you guys can do it too. So... <laughs> Because I don't really care about soccer, you know. They call it football anyway, right? And we know football is something you throw with your hand. It's not something you kick with your foot. What's that, right? Come on, bro. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you an England fan? I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. I, I actually was going for you. I really was. I was, happy. I was over there when you guys won the first one. And sorry, I was. I should have stayed longer. Maybe you won. So I'm sorry. Anyway. But my, my, but my team won the Super Bowl this year, so that's awesome. But anyway, sorry, Dallas Cowboy fans, but I am an Eagles fan. Sorry about that. I know. I, I just probably just gave you guys all a bad opinion of myself, but that's okay. We won Super Bowl, so I'm all right. <laughs> so it was cool. We, went to, we were in South Africa, and... Um, they asked me like two months uh, before, they said, hey, we want to do a business conference or business breakfast before the conference that you're going to do. And, and I, I've been there. We've been building in this region, in this city in South Africa, for um, about five or six years. It's actually the city where Kim Clement came from. So it's kind of cool to go back into a place that really has prophetic seeds in the soil and to go and to water those seeds. And we've been seeing the churches come together, just powerful. And so we did, a, this is the fifth year we, I've done the conference. And this year, um, we brought in Eric Johnson and another friend of mine from South Africa that was there. It was just a great, great time. So they asked me if they, I would do this business breakfast like the day before the conference. Can you come in a day early and we're going to set up and do this business conference, which I thought was great. I'll come in a day early. I'll get some rest and then we'll do this breakfast before the conference. No, what I didn't realize, and I should look at my schedule when my admin sends it to me because I'm actually flying in from New York to Atlanta, Atlanta to Hannesburg, 37 hours and I land, at, I'll get to my hotel at 11 o'clock, and my driver says, I'll pick you up at 7 a.m. tomorrow. And I'm like, for what? He's like, the breakfast. I'm like, oh, I thought that was tomorrow, because I came in a day early. I thought it was the next, he, he's like, yeah, it is tomorrow. But I, I'm like, I thought it was like the day after I got a whole day of rest. No, you get one night's rest. I'm like, but I haven't slept in 37 hours. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, Jesus, thank you for noise-canceling headphones and those masks they give you on the plane, you know. So I, I put it on. I get like four hours sleep, and I drink like four double shots of espresso, thinking it's going to be all right. We're going to get there. And, um, and it was one of those, you know, if you've ever done, you know, like, stuff with, like, business people, they like to have a lot of people talk, like, especially while they're eating. So I was, like, the main speaker, but to honor me, they put me last, you know, after everyone was done, and, like, all the other speakers went, which was totally cool, because it gave me more time to drink more espresso, so I was kind of jacked up by the time I got up there, and I don't know what I said, but it was, I said it really fast, and really... <laughs> powerful and I don't know what I prophesied but I prophesied a lot like a lot uh, and, I, and I didn't I didn't really recognize I was prophesying too much so the last guy um, in fact a, a friend of mine that was kind of tag teaming with me he came up and was like he's joining with me and at one time he's like would you leave me something to say and I'm like I'm sorry I had too much coffee I just had so much coffee and so the last guy I, I prophesied to is this, this guy in the back uh, 
of the seat, sitting back there having breakfast. There's about 150 men and women there, business leaders and, and city leaders. And so he's this older gentleman with like silver hair and he's wearing a suit. And I say, hey, sir, in the back, I see you um, working with athletes. I see you working with professional athletes, but I see the professional athletes grabbing the hand of these children athletes and bringing them up into the professional ranks. And God's going to use you to train up a new generation of professional athletes, but athleticism is going to be a discipleship tool because you're not just going to get them into professional athletes. You're going to get them out of poverty. You're going to get them out of a mindset that they can't achieve. You're going to bring them in to a place where they can know God. And you're going to use sports to do it. In fact, I see see this city being a city where there's a world-class training facility for children that become professional athletes, and you're going to bring them all the way from elementary all the way up through the professional ranks. And, and I, my friend comes, he goes, I got, he's, I got something to say. I said, wait a minute, I got more. And he's like, leave me something to say, literally. And I'm like, I'm really struggling with the next thing. And it's, but I just say it. I said, and you're, you came to this city before. You wanted to do this before. And the city had their hand out because they wanted to take something. They wanted a kickback. But God's going to send you to the city leaders again. And this time the city's going to give you what you need, not take from what you want. And, and then um, he just puts his head down on the table. And then my friend came over and he actually said a few things like, and I see these professional athletes from the, the European Union. I see emails being sent to you where they're going to sponsor this. And these professional athletes are going to sponsor it. And so I figured he was going for it. And I just said, oh, I'm, I'm done. You can keep going. And I, I sat down. And then that was the last prophecy we both did. And then he sat down and he goes, um, I hope that was right what you were saying. Because I just went with it because you said it. So I don't even know if it's right or not. <laughs> I'm like, well, thanks. That really gives me a lot of confidence. So, <laughs> well, what happened, we found out was that this guy was uh, the president of FIFA beach soccer. And he was in the city because he was leaving that breakfast meeting to go meet with the city officials to talk about building a training facility for children to get them out of poverty through athletics. And actually he had been in negotiations and talks with some professional athletes from Spain and I think another country, Portugal, that they were going to sponsor these kids. So my friend was super happy that he was right, but I didn't tell him he was right. I just let him hang in for a little bit. So this was really cool because the business guy and the community leader that brought him to this breakfast brought him up to, to talk to me afterwards. And he, the guy was just, he was scared of me, to be honest with you. Like, he was really scared. And I was scared of him because he's dressed nice and he's, you know, an important person. But he's more scared of me because, I don't know, because maybe my eyes are scary or whatever it is. You know, I drank too much caffeine, so I'm super intense, you know. And I'm like, oh, God is here. And so... And, and he's like, can you pray for me? And I, and I could tell he said it like in a way, pray for me, but please don't tell me what my sins are. You know, kind of like that. It was, it was like one of those, um, can you pray for me? I really need it, you know. And it's like he literally was like on the edge of starting to confess sins. Like, I did some things in my life. I'm like, it's okay. It's all right. Anyway, we had just great prayer for him. He was super touched. And I prayed for him and his family. And then the business guy that brought him just got so fired up by this, he ended up coming and bringing bringing a bunch of his friends from his church to this whole conference that we did. 
And here's the cool, his, this is like the second part of the story. I mean, prophecy is like the gift that keeps on giving. You know, the Bible says the word of the Lord does not return void, but it accomplishes the purpose he sends it forth to accomplish. And so when you take God's word into your life, it, it keeps working inside of you. I love what it says in Psalms that the, to Joseph that the word of the Lord proved him true. That, that the word of the Lord actually shifted some things in his life. And that word true actually means like a plumb line. Like that means when stuff's like out of whack in the walls of our life, God's word comes and shifts the walls and gets things in place. He proved him true. And so, so this guy brought his whole church and on Sunday night, we just had a big blowout with a whole bunch of churches there. And I knew there were a bunch of churches. And I said, hey, I can't prophesy to every every." person in every church, but let me prophesy to every church. So I had groups of churches stand up. And this one church stood up and they were, I think their church was called Emmanuel or something like that. And, and I said, I see you guys really have a great healing gift. And they go, woo. And I'm like, you get to have a healing room in your church. And like, woo, you know, and I'm like, and it's birthed out of real pain, but out of this pain is going to come creative miracles and signs and wonders. And, and I started to talk about how they prayed for people that were terminally sick and, and that they were, they, they didn't, they weren't healed and they died. And when I said that, this gentleman on the front row, who turned out to be one of the pastors, just, just fell on the ground. And I just found myself just literally filled with compassion with him and putting my hands on him and telling him how he had prayed for his son and his son died in the church uh, that he was in, criticized him for believing in healing because it didn't happen. But God's brought you to a church that's going to go after healing. You guys are going to raise the dead. And I just kept saying, this church is going to raise the dead. This church, And it's one of those conference settings where it's like, woohoo, yeah. But, you know, you don't realize, like, people are there that actually believe it. Like, we're going to raise the dead. So literally within 24 hours, we get a phone call from this business guy who brought the FIFA guy to the, to the business breakfast. He's like, I got a call from a pastor four hours ago that there was somebody in his village that died that's been dead for four hours. We prayed over the phone. He took, he took her hand as the morgue is the the morgue truck came to her house to pick her up and we're praying and she wakes up alive she's resurrected from the dead it's awesome very next day so it's like super cool that what God is doing is he's raising up people in the marketplace that believe the Bible, that believe that you don't have to stand at a pulpit to, to preach the gospel, that believe that all it takes to heal the sick is to have a hand. You know what I mean? And so I just believe that we're just in this time where God's accelerating things, that it's time to see stuff that we've been praying about, that we've been preaching about, that we've been talking about for years. And 20-year promises are about to come to pass very quickly. And so it's going to be super exciting to see that come to pass. Um, I'm going to do some, um, you know, a lot of times with these services, sometimes, you know, we feel like we have to preach and then we can minister. And I, and I like that because I like the word, actually. I think the word sets up faith for stuff. But because um, I'm struggling with a little time zone issues, probably like the last week I've been struggling just to stay awake till like 9, 10 o'clock at night with my family and everything. And so, like, and I live near New York, so actually now I'm in another time zone. So um, it's going to be better for me if I prophesy first because when 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock rolls around here, my brain's going to start to shut down. And the thing about healing is all you need is a hand. Prophecy, you need a brain. 
I'm not dissing healing ministry. I'm saying it's just different, okay? Like, I do healing ministry, too. It's usually when my brain shuts down. Then I just, oh, it's just lay hands on the sick. That's all. You don't have to say nothing. You don't have to think. You don't have to be smart. <laughs> I, I tease my friends that they, they just do healing ministry. Like, and then a lot of, everybody can prophesy. We know that. But for some reason, when I come around, they don't want to do it. They're like, oh, I'll leave that for Bob. And I'm like, well, I'm not leaving the healing for you. I, can, I got hands. <laughs> and it's different. You know, healing, is, healing ministry is kind of like whenever the baby's born and you just say, it's a boy. It's a girl. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a shoulder. It's a back. It's... Healing ministry is like just, you know, delivering a baby. It's not the woman's part, the doctor's part. It's easy. <laughs> Sorry, doctors, not really. I understand. You went to school for a long time to say, it's a boy. <laughs> I get it. No worries. But prophetic ministry is way different than that. It's more like raising teenagers. If you've ever had a teenager or if you are a teenager, <laughs> there's a lot of teenagers here, so this joke may not work. <laughs> But I had two new teenagers. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, I, I got rid of my last teenager, which means she's not a teenager anymore. So my youngest turned 20, which I don't know what that means for me, but it just means I don't, I'm not a parent of a teenager any long, longer. Now I have these adults that are living in my house. And <laughs> so I got to get new jokes. But so this is how it is. Prophetic ministry is like raising teenagers because teenagers, you, you look at them and you give them all the wisdom and revelation you have. They look back at you like you're an idiot. And then two years later, they come back to you and say, everything you said is true. You're a genius. And that, my friends, is prophetic ministry. That's, that's exactly how prophetic. <laughs> it's true. Everywhere I go. You were here two years ago, and you prophesied to me. Uh, everything you said was wrong until it happened. And now you're a genius. And it's like John Paul Jackson used to say, every prophet's a false prophet until what he says comes true. So profound, John. Thank you very much for saying that. He's leaving us that wisdom. And it's actually really true. So, and, and in fact, most of the time when you hear yourself say what God's telling you to say, it sounds stupid until it happens. And then you're like, oh, that, I knew that the whole time. I knew you were you're the FIFA president. I knew that all the time. <laughs> actually, I, was, I actually was sitting by the exit because that was my last prophetic word, and I thought it was the worst. I was going to get out of the breakfast really fast and get out of there until somebody came and snagged me and said, that guy wants to talk to you. I'm like, oh, no, Jesus. <laughs> Tried to get my friend to talk to him. My friend's like, I'm not talking to him. You started it. I'm not going to clean it up after you did that. So after I told him I was right, he goes, I knew you were right. That's why I followed you. I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> See, we're, you know, we're just like you guys. We feel like we're making this up when we're saying it. <laughs> How do you know if you're making it up or not? If it's true, you weren't making it up. <laughs> it's like words of knowledge. How do you know if it's a word of knowledge or a guess of knowledge? It, you don't until it, it happens. If it's, if it's a word of knowledge, then it's actually true. If it's a guess of knowledge, it's not true. It's not, you know. Well, how do you know? It feels like the same thing. Do you have a problem with your right shoulder? No. Oh, that was a guess. But, well, yeah, but my right knee hurts. Well, let me pray for that. The Bible says that, that you lay hands on the sick and they recover. That the prayer of faith heals the sick, not the word of knowledge heals the sick. So you can get the word of knowledge wrong and the prophecy right. Right? It's cool. I'm just setting you up for me to give you some wrong words of knowledge. That's why <laughs> you're all like, oh, such good teaching. No, no. I'm just lowering the bar here. That's all. <laughs> 
All right, I do have some words of knowledge. By the way, I have like six names, and literally the last name is Lindsay, and that's the only name that kept, it was said like five times tonight. So I'm like, that's not even a word of knowledge anymore. That's like yesterday's news. Like, what is that? So anyway, I do have some words for the Lindsays. Maybe I should just do them first and get them out of the way. Because I have, well, here's what I'm trying to do with words of knowledge, names, but then I want to know like where are they sitting. So I have Lindsay on the left side, so that's good. So that was right. And I had it here. I wrote it during worship. It says left side, Lindsay, but it is the last one. So you have to wait. Sorry. All right. (laughs) Is there a Peter here? So let's go with Lindsay then. (laughs) See it? You're Peter? Is this a joke or? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I wasn't sure. So your, your legal name is Peter. Okay, well, that works for me. Of course. It's a, it's a word of knowledge. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, sweet. So what, what do you call yourself? Robert? Oh, you call yourself Robert. Well, of course, everybody wants to be Bob. So I got it, man, I'm with you. Sweet. You can stand on, stand up. For, keep standing up. Do you guys know Peter, Robert, Robert Peter? Right, awesome. Yeah, cool, dude. All right, so this is a good word for you, um, I'm just going to call you Peter. Sorry. We, we, yeah, we outed you. We sorry. Were you like, are you a spy or something that we changed your name to? Just kidding. This is just what I do. <laughs> it's my shtick. Yeah, you're good. So here we go. Should I call you Robert or Peter? Call me Peter. Sweet. That makes me feel better to call you Peter as well. So that's good. Since I wrote it down. And it's the first name I wrote down, so you should feel really like God really cares about you. So the funny thing is I can go from just, I'm, I'm lighthearted about this. The reason is, is because God's lighthearted, but he's also very serious, and there's something really good here. Um, so I'm going to say this. First of all, I think this is significant that you mentioned like how your, your parents named you this, and this is your name, because I really feel like there is a, a spiritual inheritance that you're going to start to step into. In fact, almost like one you try to get away from, but God's like, you can't get away from your inheritance. So you try to run, I don't say run away from it, but yeah, you try to run away from it, but God chases you down. And, and I really feel like this is a time where God's bringing you back to your future. And what that is, I feel like it has, God's reconnecting you um, back with some old relationships that are going to actually accelerate your spiritual growth. And you're going to not pick up where you left off. You're going to pick up as if you never left off. You're going to pick up as if you never left off. And one of the real graces that's on your life, um, I'm going to call you Peter, is, is that there's, a, there's a, an evangelism gift that's on your life that's not going to express itself through like hardcore dragging people into the kingdom, but by friending them into the kingdom. There's a friendship evangelism that God has on your life because you have the ability to connect with people and to relate with people cross-culturally, connect with people and to relate with people that have been burnt by religion and burnt by the, the church. And God is healing you of some of the areas where you've been burnt by religion in the church, but you're going to reconnect people back to the heart of God, and particularly people who haven't felt safe going into a faith environment. They're going to feel safe around you. People that have struggled with identity issues and, and sin patterns that they, the church always pointed a finger of judgment at them, you're going to be able to bring an arm of love around them and walk them back into the Father's house. 
And this is a time where God is actually literally, like he said with Peter, that there's a revelation that's coming about who the Father is, from the Father to you, about who you are. And on that rock, he's going to build his church. And I really feel like God is doing something with opening the heavens over your head. And there were spiritual experiences and encounters that you had when you were younger that let you, left, left you afraid. And God is opening up a door into the supernatural realm that's not going to, leave you to lead you to a place of fear, but it's going to lead you to a place of encounter with God. And in fact, there's even been some wrestling with... Um, in your history with almost like demonic encounters that God wants you to know he's, he's giving you the keys of the kingdom and he, you can bind on earth what's bound in heaven and loose on earth what's loosed in heaven and the gates of hell won't be able to prevail against what God's doing against, uh, uh, for you in this season. It's a Matthew 17 season. I would encourage you to read that whole Matthew 16 and 17 passage. But what God did for Peter, he's doing for you. And it has to do with a great authority that's coming over you for the spiritual realm. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to process itself in two ways. First of all, it's going to um, give you great authority to set people free from addictions and patterns of behavior in their life that have kept them from knowing their true identity. The second thing is, it's going to unlock some creativity in your life. And there's a gift of entrepreneurism that God's put inside of you. And I feel like there's a business startup idea that you had in the past that it didn't come to pass in the last season, but this is the season for it to come uh, to fruition. So everybody just lift a hand over to him, and we're just going to declare uh, right now the keys of the kingdom. We're going to say the word keys three times. You ready? One, two, three. Keys, keys, keys keys in Jesus' name. And we declare the keys of the kingdom over you. Whatever is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever is loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. And we declare right now who the sun sets free is free indeed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, man. Cool. That's very cool. Um, Is there a a sand? Oh, yeah, buddy. Thanks, man. Thanks for telling. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Peter, can I can I ask you something? Can I ask you something, man? Do you know that Jesus died for you, gave his life for you? Do you And do you you have him as your best friend? Do you know how the reason that he saved you is so that you can save other people that don't know him? So bless you, man. Amen? Amen. Give God thanks for him. It's good. Thanks, man. Bless you, buddy. Okay. Um, is there a, a, a Samantha or a Sam here? Is there anyone, Samantha or Sam? Is there? Oh, it's not, you're not Samantha. That's okay. I wrote Sam, but uh, for some reason I thought maybe I was seeing your long hair. Just kidding. No, I'm just teasing you. Teasing you. This is just, I know. They're never going to let you live this down. Don't worry, buddy. Don't worry. It's, I, I, it's, it's on me. It's all on me, bro. Sam, you're all good. 
Sam. Everybody say Sam. Okay, he's good to go. He's good to go. I'm just deleting there the rest of it. Okay. <laughs> Sam. Hi, Sam. How you doing? I, I do have you on the right side, so that's good. At least I, I got that one right. So, so you're the right person. You're my dude. All right, man. Good. Um, <clears throat> I saw two things. First of all, I saw um, fire in your hands, and I feel like there's, um, there's, um, there's a leadership gift that God's given you that's actually going to... Do you play the drums at all? No? I don't, because I keep seeing like these drumsticks in here and then they're on fire. But then it's like the Lord put his hands on your ears and he opened up your ears to new sounds. And I feel like there's a, there's a, a gift for leadership and actually for like producing new sounds that will, that will release the sounds of heaven into earth. There's a creative gift inside of you um, that's gone untapped, that God's about to tap deep down inside of you. It has to do with um, business, and it has to do with the sound of the Lord. The, the other thing is I feel like that the Lord is um, bringing you into like the next level of the education and preparation that he has for you. And I feel like the Lord is going to like equip you with a higher degree in the spirit than you thought was possible in your life. And I feel like this has to do with even um, some spiritual gifts that God's about to release to you. I feel like that there's a, a gift of wisdom that God's put inside of you, and it's wisdom that's going to come from his word. And I saw you start to open up God's word, and it started to become illuminated to you, and where you would read, and it almost looked like the words were jumbled on the page. I feel like God's going to breathe on that and those words are going to start to become clear, but almost like pop off the page in a way that God's word and his revelation is going to start coming through you to other people and it's going to set them free. Can you just do me a favor? Can you just lift up your hands? Because I feel like there's just some spiritual gifts that God's downloading on the inside of you now. And I feel like there's even um, an ability for you to communicate the gospel in a creative way in your generation that's going to turn many people, that's going to turn the fi- turn them on fire for God. And there's a, there's a revivalist inside of you that God is stirring up the, the, the fires of revival. And it's as if the words of Paul to Timothy are what's going to start to burn inside of you. Fan into flame the gift of God that's in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. And so, Father, I thank you. You're given the whole trifecta of the uh, the outpouring of the fire of the Holy Spirit, a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a sound mind. Everybody say power. Power. Everybody say love. Love. Everybody say wisdom. Wisdom. That's yours, says the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Sam. Bless you, buddy. Cool. Um, Let's see. Is there a... This is another one that I shortened the name and then I put in parentheses the other name. So it didn't work out last time. So let me just say the short version, okay? Is there a Kate here? But you could be Catherine, but maybe they call you Kate or maybe you're just Catherine. Oh, you Kate? Oh, do they ever call you Kate? Oh, they call you Cat. Oh, see, I shortened it, but not shortened it enough. It's good. (laughs) I'm learning. This is cool because like, I'm learning some stuff too. So I'm, I'm getting it because when I wrote it, and I, I wrote it out longer because I didn't want to, I wanted to be clear, clarified. So your name's Catherine. They sometimes call you Cat, or they call you Cat, but they never called you Kate. 
Man, I'm so close, so close, but I'm still good. I'm still good because actually I looked over at you guys during worship and I actually wanted to pray for you guys. Uh, is that dude with you? Yeah, cool. Stand up, bro. Yeah. What's your name, man? What is it? Nope, I don't have that written down. Nope. I don't know. I... Are you serious? Where were you? Oh, well, Pretoria is beautiful. Stand up, man. Listen to your wife. What's happening? What's going on? Were you guys ministering over there? What were you doing? He's been there? What? Oh, you're from there. Yeah, why is it that Americans can't tell the South African accent? I think it's cooler than the rest. But anyway, just, I'm just pandering. Don't worry. Um, hey, listen, when I looked over you guys during worship, I just felt like the Lord said that there's a powerful calling that's on your lives and that two are better than one. One can chase a thousand, but two can chase 10,000. And I feel like the Lord has almost like caused you guys to be opposites that have attracted. And actually, sometimes you almost felt like we're too opposite. But I just feel like the Lord said, nope, you're exactly the right match for what I've called you to do. And I feel like the Lord's about to um, place you in the right place. And I saw you guys almost like being moved around like chess pieces on the board and feeling like you were out of place. But God's like, nope, I moved you. It was like four different moves and the Lord was positioning you each time because each time he moved you he was depositing something inside of you but I hear the Lord say checkmate which means like this is like where he's got you is where he needs you to be positioned perfectly to get the devil in checkmate like the, the devil's in check keep the devil in check and and I feel like the Lord's doing two things first of all I feel like there's a gift of freedom over you guys that is going to help walk people a lot of people into freedom and it's going to work with you guys in two different ways. Sir, I really feel like there's a key being placed in your hand to proclaim freedom to the captives in this season. And I saw God really open up doors for you to talk to people who have gone through sometimes symbolic, but many times physical incarceration and help them to know that on the other side of prison is freedom. And there's a gift for you to set captives free. And I saw you, ma'am, I saw God release in you a real spirit of authority that's going to set people free from uh, spirits of infirmity and, and spirits of uh, like generational spirits that have kept them bound. But I feel like you guys are literally like a one-two punch that's going to knock the devil out. Almost like ultimate fighters that will just get in the ring and you'll just take the devil out. And, and, he, and the, it feels like the, the devil has had you sort of surrounded, but God's like, no, you're in a cage match with the devil and the devil's going down. And he, it's, not that you're in, you're, it's not that you're trapped in the cage, the devil's trapped in the cage. And God's got you there because he's training you how to war. He's been training you guys uh, how to war. And I feel like what's inside of you guys isn't just a ministry, but it's a movement. And it's so different and so unique. And that's why sometimes the church hasn't understood you because you're not supposed to just be part of a ministry. You're supposed to actually start a movement. And what I saw was literally like church on the move, like a church that would just move. And I saw you guys literally having like some sort of mobile ministry where you would just move. And as you moved, like you gained disciples as you moved. And you, it's not that you're going to be disconnected from the body or from community or from the church, but actually the church is going to be a place where you'll help people to learn about community and people that have never felt welcomed in the church. You're just going to 
I don't know why I keep seeing it. It's either like a road, it's like a caravan or like a, like a motorcycle gang. It's just a, like a, it's like a, a mobile movement, a motor motorcycle gang movement of the kingdom of God. And I saw literally like motorcycle revivalists that were like circuit riders, the way the Methodist circuit riders used to ride horses. You're going to raise up circuit riders on Harleys and circuit riders on, on motorcycles that are going liter- release, to um, release the sound of the pipes of heaven. I'm sorry. I was riding my road king yesterday before I came. So it's, maybe it's just me. I'm hearing the sound of my bike. But I, I just feel like that you're not, but you're, but you're going to be placed in the church. You're not just going to be like, well, the church doesn't get it. So we're just going to go around and we're just going to be, you're not called to be vagabonds. You're not called to be nomads. You're ca- not called to be homeless. You're called to be part of a home, but you're going to help gather the ones who've never felt at home in the church. And you're going to take the church on the road. So Lord, we just declare right now the favor of God. And I feel like even the Lord wants to give you a promise because I feel like you've been searching, not just for a place to call home, but literally a home. And I feel like the Lord says, this is the season. It's happening quickly. Even watch what I do this summer to give you a place to live that you feel like this feels like home. This feels like home. This feels like home. And so God, I thank you that there's no place like home. Everybody say it. There's no place like home. Say it again. There's no place like home. Say it again. There's no place like home. And the Lord just declares to you, welcome home, guys. Welcome home. Bless you guys. Awesome. Cool. All right. All right. Is there, is there a Steve here? You may be on the left side. You are on the left side. How are you doing, Steve? Is you, are you the only Steve? Just, oh, one, two, wow. We hit the jackpot. Ding, ding, ding. And they're all somewhat on the left side. Okay. Is either of you connected with or know somebody the name Grace? Any of you the name Grace? No? Is there? Yes? No? Yes or no? But she's not related to either of you? Oh, you do have a grace. Okay. So there is a grace here, though. But Okay, on the left side, too. Okay, I have her next. But the only reason I called her out is because I'm trying to define which one of these guys it is. But there is a grace. So, Grace, are you, you're not related to either, any of these guys standing up at all? Okay, but I, I have a word for you next, only because I know, because I wrote your name down. And I have you on the left side, so you're in the right spot. Okay, so you're next. Don't worry. I just got to figure out what I'm going to do with these Steves. <laughs> the thing is, when I, when I learned prophecy, I didn't learn to prophesy with words of knowledge. I just prayed for everybody in the room. And literally, like for 100, 200 people a night for years, three, four nights a week. So I just learned to prophesy according to the measure of my faith. My faith hasn't dwindled, but my energy has. <laughs> so now I'm like, words of knowledge is just going to help me not to get too tired out. <laughs> Sorry. But that was a season. You know, if you want to grow in the, in the gift of the Spirit, you just have to do it a lot. Particularly prophecy, repetition. So I'm just using it as a teachable moment. Sorry, Steves. <sighs> what am I going to do? Okay, what I'm going to do is give you all three a word, but I'm going to try to be short, which in itself would be a miracle. Let's start with you, Steve. Um, God started something new in your life about two and a half years ago, and I feel like the Lord has given you a promise, and I saw Philippians 
It's one six over your head. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And I believe the Lord just wants to give you a promise uh, over your home, over your family, that he started some things in your life two and a half, three years ago that he's going to bring to fulfillment. And I feel like um, there's... There's an angel of healing that's going to visit your home in this next season. And it's going to release um, a harvest in your life. A harvest of righteousness, a harvest of peace, and a harvest of resources that's coming into your home. But there's also a gift of healing that's going to start um, to stir up inside of you. And there's creative miracles that God's uh, going to start to operate in your life. There's a gift of faith that's going to be connected with. So, Lord, I just thank you uh, for Steve. And I thank you, Lord, that you who began a good work in him will be faithful to complete it into the day of Christ Jesus. And I feel like there's even, and this isn't for you specifically, but I feel like people you're connected with, uh, even people in your family, there's a spirit um, that God is releasing, it's called the quickening spirit. The Bible says, when the same, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it quickens your mortal body. And I feel like there's a quickening spirit that God's going to give you authority to release. And it's going to break the power of like uh, fatigue, the power of, of um, chronic fatigue over people's lives. And this is going to be part of the healing gift that's going to flow through you, but it's going to flow through your home first. So we just declare that in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Cool. All right, Steve, how you doing, man? Good. Um, Steve, this is a great year for you. I'm really excited for you because this is going to be a year of John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God came that you might have life and life to the full. And I feel like, again, this three-year pattern, but I feel like three years ago there was something um, vocationally and professionally that didn't pay off the way you thought it would. And people that you thought you were connected with that would pay off actually ripped you off. And I just feel like the Lord is saying, this is a time for the Lord to repay back in full to you. Stuff that you invested in that you didn't receive your reward for. But also I feel like there's these scales of justice over your head. I saw these scales of justice. And for me, that usually means one of two things, either literally um, some sort of legal dispute that God's going to settle in your favor, but also the judicial system of heaven is coming into your life where there's been unfairness and uh, unfair treatment, and he's bringing the justice of heaven. So is there literally some sort of litigation or something that you're waiting uh, to come through? You don't have to give details, but does that make sense at all? That, that, that's not, so it's something different than that. Okay, so what I, what I feel like is that the Lord wants to give you payback for stuff that you've lost, but also I feel like this is part of this payback is actually new creative ideas um, that are going to come to you. And I saw some new partnerships form uh, in this next season that are really going to take um, you up to a new level. And there's, there's a kind of, you're like this guy, this idea guy where you can come up with ideas, business ideas, like out of the blue. And I feel like you're actually going to be one that's going to coach people that are going to be business startups. And I saw God connecting you with like an, a business incubator where you actually help people take their ideas from startup to um, to an upstart, so to, from just being at an entry level to actually going to the next level. And you're going to help coach people to the next level in business. So just bless you in Jesus' name, Steve, okay? Awesome. Cool. Um, hey, Steve in the back. How you doing? Thanks for, thanks for standing so long. Really good. Um, what is it? 
Um, I, I just, I feel like the Lord has, um, <clears throat> he just told me to tell you that he surrounded you with beauty because he wanted you to be able to display the, the beauty of God in the, in the kingdom of God. And what I feel like that has to do is like, there's a, a there's, there's a beauty in your family that's actually going to attract people to what, what they, God wants to give them in, their, in your life. And I don't mean just like you have a beautiful family, because you probably do, okay? But what I mean is that literally family is going to, your family and the way you do family is going to be so attractive to people that it's actually going to be an evangelistic tool. And I feel like the Lord's really going to use you to reach men because of the way that you do family, that they're going to want to do family the way you do. And I see God using you and your family to bring healing to a lot of families that are broken. And I see God using you and your uh, family to bring healing to marriages that are broken. And I see God using you particularly in the lives of leaders that have been broken. And I see God giving you the ear of leaders and the heart of leaders that you're going to be able to help restore leaders, both in the marketplace and in the church, that have gone through broken times within their family, that you're going to help uh, to restore them. And I also feel like um, there's... um, there's a spiritual inheritance that God's about to release uh, to you. And it, it's a generational inheritance. And I feel like there's been some dispute over inheritance that God is uh, clearing off the dispute. And he's making the scripture plain to you that a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children. And I feel like there's inheritance that's due to your children that has to first come from the previous generation. It's been sort of locked up and it's been disputed, but I just feel like the Lord is going to clear out disputes that you can walk in true spiritual inheritance and natural inheritance, and that will be passed on generationally in your children. So, Lord, I just thank you for the blessing of righteousness that leaves an inheritance to children and children's children. And even literally physically, I feel like there's an anointing for you to, um, to release. There's, a, there's an anointing for properties that's going to come on you in this next season. And that there's anointing to help people to walk into ownership of properties, to move from rentals to ownership, and that you're going to help empower people to step into their inheritance because God is anointing you to receive the fullness of your inheritance. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Steve. Amen? Cool. That's fun. All right. Grace, did you still hear? Hi, Grace. How are you? Good. You're awesome, Grace. I like you. Um, I saw God do three things to you. I saw him first touch your feet, and then I, I saw him touch your lips, your mouth, and then I saw him um, touch your head. And, I, and there were three things he did for you when you did that. You started dancing, and then you started singing, and then when he touched your head, you started to like act. And I feel like there's a, a drama queen inside of you that God's put inside of you, and I feel like God's given you this anointing for singing, dancing, acting that's actually going to raise up a new generation of creatives for the kingdom of God. And I feel like there's even um, some, some things that God's going to put you on uh, a stage, not just a, a church stage, but a cultural stage that's going to allow you to use the gifts and the talents that God's given you. And, and I, I know there are those that are called to um, be worshipers in the church, but I also believe that there are some, some that are called to actually perform. And I feel like there's a gift of you 
almost like a performance gift in you that no matter what anybody's tried, they just couldn't hold it down in your life. And it's because God's gifted you to be a shining star. He's literally putting a star over your head. And I feel like that star is going to attract people uh, to the kingdom of God. And, and I really feel like the Lord's going to anoint you for the, the creative industry, the entertainment industry. Not that you won't do things within the church and bring glory to God, but I feel like you're going to bring glory to God outside of the church through the gifts and the talents that you have. And I also feel like it's also going to be connected to how you raise up the next generation because God's given you a great anointing with children. And I feel like you're kind of like a big child yourself. And that the way that you're able to teach them um, how to demonstrate the kingdom of God. And in fact, I saw God even giving you like a storytelling ability, even like a script writing ability, and that there's even like parables that the way Jesus taught the gospel was in the kingdom was through parables. There's parables and there's screenplays and there's uh, stage plays. There's anointing to, for you to bring parables alive and to teach the kingdom of God in a new way to a new generation. So Lord, we just declare right now the grace of God, the gift of God on grace. And God, we thank you, Lord, that um, she was created to be a worshiper, but she was also created to be a creative. And God, I thank you for all the creative arts springing up out of her and her helping to raise up a new generation of creatives that shine the light of God into the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You are on the left side. So good job, Grace, for being in the right place. Okay, Lindsay. I... Sorry, Grace, you're not on the left side. I'm sorry, Grace. Um, I will say this, too. Even though you're not on the left side, because I'm a nice guy, and I did have espresso before the service, so I have a little energy. Um, I saw the Lord put his hands on your knees. Uh, do you have an issue with either of your knees? Is it your left knee? Yeah, I was going to, I'm not making this up. I literally was going to say both, but your left knee is the worst. Okay, good. So uh, two things. First of all, you have a prayer assignment on your life, and you have an intercessory assignment on your life, and the enemy is attacked that, this symbolic of your knees. Not that every physical ailment is enemy attack or that, it, that it's always the part of the body, but I feel like this means something, that God is taking your prayer life and your intercession gift to a new place in this season, and it's actually going to empower a new generation to step into their purpose. And I feel like the Lord's literally going to give you like a prayer wall where you literally, when you put people on that prayer wall, it's like they're the target for prayer. And that when you put them on the wall, they're as, much, they're as good as in the kingdom as soon as they go up on that wall. And, it's, and literally, I feel like the Lord is saying that in this next season, you're not going to war on your knees. You're going to war on the wall. He's putting you back on the wall. Like in Ezekiel 33, watchman that stands on the wall. And as you stand on that wall, you're not just saying and declaring what the enemy's doing. You're declaring what God's going to do in people's lives. The second thing is, I feel like God wants to heal your needs. So can you stand up? And Lord, we just declare right now, we just lift a hand toward her. We just speak right now, brand new knees in Jesus' name. God, we just thank you. I feel like 
Even the doctors told you about one of them needs to be replaced, but we just declare a supernatural knee replacement in Jesus' name. We just declare right now every bit of inflammation, arthritis out in Jesus' name. We declare every bit of connective tissue be restored in Jesus' name. Left knee, I command you to be healed. Every bit of pain out in Jesus' name. Movement, motion be restored in Jesus' name. Grace, can you just lift up your left knee for me? Can you just move it? Can you tell me, is there any pain left in that knee? Completely gone. Cool. Awesome. Okay. So your left, your left knee was the worst, right? And it's completely healed. Can you, is there any pain in your right knee now? Okay, so your right knee is the worst now, which is cool. I like to go for the, usually when stuff like that happens, I like to go for the worst one first because if the worst one gets healed, then the other one's it's done, right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to just, I'm going to count to three. One for the Father, one, two for the Son, three for the Holy Spirit, in case anybody thinks that's illegal to count to three in church. And then you're just going to clap your hands once, and her right knee will be healed in Jesus' name. One, two, three. Boom. Okay, check your knee for me. Let's see if it worked. I don't know. I've never done that before, but I felt like the Lord said to do it. So how's your knee, Grace? Good? Excellent, Grace. Thank you. See that? That's cool. And, and I didn't even know, need a word of knowledge for that, did I? It was... Just, I just made it up as I went along, and that was okay. It worked out okay, right, Grace? Do you pray? Do you like to pray for people? Do you have a wall where you put people's picture up there at all? You ever had that? No, but you'll get one. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> it reminds me of that commercial Facebook on the wall. That lady's, uh, no, you, you just do it on Facebook. All right, so Lindsay, before, uh, can I say Lindsay? Are you guys going to yell at me again if I say Lindsay now? Okay, thank you. All right, so Lindsay, lefty, on the lefty. This is your last one. So I don't know why the Lord said this. It's like maybe because we had to say that name twice. It's like you were so good. He made you twice. I don't know. He just said your name twice. But I just feel, um, first of all, for you, Lindsay, when you stood up, they said it was happy birthday, by the way. Um, I saw um, these children gather around you. And I saw you like uh, lead them to the throne of God. And I feel like you have the ability to open up a way to, for children to worship God and to know the Father in a way that they've never known the Father in the natural. And I feel like that has to do with even um, a mission, a mission's calling on your life to the orphan, the fatherless, and the motherless ones. And I feel like there's literally the word adoption that God's writing over your heads. And I feel like it has to do with the spirit of adoption that God's put on you guys that you're going to release on a generation. And that's going to heal the orphan heart. But it's also um, going to heal the hearts of those who've been broken. And I feel like particularly women that have gone through loss uh, of children, have gone through miscarriages, are going to be healed. And he's healing your broken heart because you're going to be one that's going to heal other people's broken heart. But also, it's going, there's, there's going to be a ministry to women that have gone through abortion, women that have gone through um, choosing to, to lose life, but women who didn't choose it as well. And God's taking what the enemy meant for evil in your life, and he's, he's turning it into good. And I literally saw you guys like... <clears throat> I don't know why I have a baseball analogy here, and I don't want to make it light. It's, it's not light, but it's like literally two strikes, and the devil's like, you know, you don't even get up and to bat again because it's going to be three strikes and you're out. But God's like, no, the thief tried to come and steal, kill, and destroy like twice, but I hear the Lord say that you're going to knock this one out of the park. You're just going to knock this one out of the park. And so... <clears throat> 
So you guys are home run hitters, and, and you're going to load the bases and hit a grand slam uh, because God's, God's fulfilling every promise in your life. So happy birthday and blessings to you. Lindsay, number two. So, she is, she's Lindsay, right? Okay. That's cool because he said your name. I wonder if he kept saying your name just so I give you a word, but it's just funny. I like that. That's a nice guy, nice husband you have there. Um, there's like a massive um, prophetic calling that's on your life, and it's a prophetic teaching anointing that God's putting on your life. And I feel like the Lord's going to start to open up some doors for you to share the secrets that you've learned in the dark places. And God, the Bible says, you know, God hides secrets in dark places. And sometimes that's figurative. Sometimes that's literal. And I feel like there's just some, really some dark seasons that you've been able to walk through, but you mine the gems out of it. You mine the, and that's what I saw even the two of you guys, almost this picture of being like miners that whenever it was the darkest place, you went deeper. And, and when you went deeper, that's when you hit the gold mine. That's when you hit the, the, the gems. And I feel like spiritually that's true, but I also feel like uh, figuratively um, that's true for both of you. I'm going to say it for you in one way. And one of, one of the things I feel like there's a, a gift of revelatory teaching that's about to soar in your life. And I saw you, um, it's almost like this insatiable, some people are insatiable readers, but it feels like you're like an, almost an insatiable writer. It's almost like you write down everything, and it, every, sometimes people would even say, like, are you just, are you just, are you writing my whole life? Like, everything happens, you, like, you record it. So it's not that you're stalking people, it's just that you keep record of the goodness of God. And because of that record, you're actually going to, you're developing your skill to write but also you're developing your ability, not just recording history. You're actually prophesying the future. What I feel like that what God's done in, in secret place in you, he's about to reveal in public. And what I saw was almost like you writing in the dark, almost like we say ghosts are in the dark. So maybe you've written for other people like a ghost writer, but I feel like the Lord says it's time for you to write through the power of the Holy Ghost what God's called you to write, not just write for other people, but write... Um, what God wants you to write this next season of the kingdom of God. And what it has to do with a lot is um, destiny, uh, people understanding their purpose, their creative purpose, and their destiny. And you're going to help to unlock people's creative purpose and their destiny. In fact, what it is, it's literally prophecy over people, but it's going to be using different language and in a different place. And you're going to be able to see coach people and mentor people through prophetic gift, but never even let them know you're prophesying. And you're going to help them to become successful through prophecy, but you, but it's going to be just different language because it's going to be marketplace um, spot. And, um, and Rob, I feel like there's something that God's doing where there's like a new uh, a new vein he's leading you into. I saw you almost like this, you guys, these miners in this dark place. And then it's like you hit one vein of gold and you thought like that was like the mother load. And I was like, no, no, that wasn't even close to the mother load. But you're about to hit the mother load in this next season. In fact, what I saw was almost like God, there was like a shared when you struck gold the first time, it was like you had to share with someone else. But I feel like the Lord's saying that what he's doing this next season is actually something that you're going to have full ownership of, not just shared with someone else. So it's almost like someone else either funded or resourced something you were doing. And so part of your deal was to share it because of 
but I feel like the Lord's given you resources now to start, to start something else that's actually, that's the mother load, and it's actually going to be able to be fully kingdom, not just partly kingdom, but fully kingdom. And you're not going to have to be able to, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to need to give up the fruit of the last season in order to enjoy the, enjoy the harvest of the next season. But you're going to enjoy the fruit. In fact, there's a part of the Bible where <clears throat> it's, a, it's a really obscure part when they went into the promised land where God said, on the sixth year, you're going to have three times as much harvest because the seventh year, you're going to have a Sabbath. So I feel like there's something coming into its sixth year that's going to be a triple harvest. That God is saying it's so much because you're going to have a hit a pause button before you start a new beginning. And, and there's like a sa- Sabbath period that you're going to enjoy the fruit of the sixth year that's a triple harvest so that you can start something new in the eighth year. This is a totally random thing I'm saying, but I feel like it's right. But if it's not, that's okay. So, yeah, Lord, I thank you even that while there's a Sabbath, it's not just a time of a ceasing from activity, but it's actually a time to dream of the new beginnings. And God, I thank you that the seed, the harvest of the last season is the seed for the new beginning and that there's a, a, a new harvest that they're planting for the kingdom of God. And when I hear the Lord say that, it, that God has actually reconnected you with some things within the body of Christ because God has called you to be like a planter in the kingdom of God. And I feel like even what the Lord has started here and planted here, I feel like there's seeds from here that God's going to begin to plant in other places. And so storehouse, the storehouse of seed that God's put here, I saw you guys even taking the seed from the storehouse and planting in a place where there's going to be new harvest. And I feel like the Lord's going to take what he started here in the south. And I feel like there's even like a, a seed that's going to be planted up in the northeast in this next season. And I feel like the Lord's saying that what I started here in the storehouse, in Texas. I'm going to transplant even up to a place. I feel like there's something to do with like Washington, D.C. that God's about to open up for you, that there's coming connections with the governmental anointing, that there's even going to be literally like a storehouse in the, in the government headquarters, in the government, in the national, in Washington, D.C., storehouse that God wants to plant something in the Northeast Corridor. So God, we just declare even right now that the seed that's in the storehouse is going to produce a hundred full return and that there's plants that are going to come out, seeds that are going to come out of this place that are even be planted in the nation's capital. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Definitely did not expect that at all. Talk about it. Who knows? Never know. I could be right. Or two years later, you might come back and say, no, you're still an idiot. (laughs) All right. So, wow, I prophesied a while. Are you guys okay? Are we done yet? What time are we done? What time is this over? Oh, good. Are you guys finished yet? Because I'm not. I'm having fun. Okay, here's, let me talk about products. And then I do have a short word I want to give to you and something I want to release to you. Because the last song they sang, I felt like that's what I was going to talk about. That God wants to move you guys into the next level of glory. And I want to define that for you. You're going from glory to glory. And your next glory, I want to show you what it is. But I want to describe to you why you're wrestling in the in-between, between from glory to glory. Because you have to go from glory to glory. And on the way, there's something you go through. So we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, How many people love prophecy? I love it. It's like amazing. It's the best gift. The Bible says eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially game over. There it is. Especially prophecy. 
Don't argue with me. Okay, it's in the Bible. No, actually, I, I know why he says that, because it's not just a gift. It's actually a demonstration of who God is. So I have 16 hours of teaching on prophecy. Uh, I've done two schools. or four CDs each. Uh, taught them at Randy's uh, school. Taught them at Bethel. Um, and then I have about um, six hours of teaching on what to do with prophecy. How What God does with your prophecy, what you do. Don't try to do what God's supposed to do. You'll hurt yourself. Don't expect God to do your part. You'll get frustrated. Second, what your prophecy turns you into. So your prophecy gives you your identity. It doesn't just tell you what you're going to do. It tells you who you are. And if you get to where you're going, but you don't know who you are, you're going to get lost. GPS can't get you to your destination if it doesn't know the location you're at. God turned on your location service at the cross. (laughs) On the cross, he turned on your location services, and now you can get to your destination. You got the chip inside of you that tells you who you are. So now you can discover what you're called to be. It's called image versus identity. And that is that the world wants you to live in an image, but God's given you an identity. And so many people are living out of image that they think the world wants them to be instead of who God says they are. And the Bible says the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel said you're guilty. The blood of Jesus said you're forgiven. The blood of Abel said that you're judged. The blood of Jesus said have mercy that triumphs over judgment. And so, in fact, that scripture, I teach it in the first lesson on here. It's called the blood that speaks. And it's a weird analogy in the Bible, but the Bible says the blood of Jesus speaks doesn't make sense. And I asked the Lord, I said, why did you write that? It doesn't make sense. Blood doesn't speak. He said, yes, it does. Google it. He said, the Holy Spirit doesn't believe in Google. Yes, he does. <laughs> Some people think Google is the Holy Spirit, but it's not. <laughs> so I Googled it. Blood, does blood speak? And actually it came up and said, yeah, actually it does. Blood has a sound. There's a, a a medical school, Harvard Medical School and MIT did a study of 100 samples of blood and they found out that everybody's blood has a sound to it. Not only that, but there's a song in it. There's a melodious sound in you that God put inside of you. It's in your DNA. They extract your blood and they actually can, you can send it to a company. They'll, they'll actually send you your blood song. Mine's the German hymn I, went, I sent to it. It's a German. How great the world. So my blood says. It tells me how great I am. No, just kidding. Actually, it's very, very true. I have all the, the, um, the links are in there. And this one's called Now is the Time. Anybody ever ask God the question, when? God, when? This answers that question. You have to get the CD to find out what the answer to that is. <laughs> actually, actually, I asked God when for three years, and he didn't answer me. So I stopped asking him when. I said, when are you, when it, why won't you answer the question when? He said, because I don't understand that question. I don't live in when. I live in now. Now is the time. So your promises are with God in the eternal now. You're waiting for God to get into your when, and he's waiting to you get to your now. So it's, anyway, that, that's back there, and it's all in one USB drive. 16 hours of teaching on prophecy. I put it all together because these are CDs, and my daughters told me CDs are old school. Did you know that? They said, Dad, CDs are old school. Get rid of CDs. Nobody listens to CDs anymore. I said, well, what do they listen to? They're like vinyls. I'm like, so vinyls are new school? They're like, yeah, vinyls are new school. I said, all right, so next year I'm coming out with a prophetic school on vinyls. <laughs> We're going to scratch and do some beatbox with it too. But until we do that, we have it on a USB drive. USB. Everybody say USB. Yeah. So you stick it in your computer, put it on your phone, whatever. Somebody came to the table and said, can I have one of those BS drives about prophecy? 
I said, no, it's at Tracy's table. No, I didn't. <laughs> just teasing. Just teasing. Sorry. I just wanted to get her attention because she was texting. So that's talking. <laughs> All right. I get myself in trouble. She invites me. and I'm, I have a book for you, Tracy. This is my newest book called Think Like Heaven. You have it already? Oh, you, uh, oh, you like it? Is it good? Oh, it's amazing. It's called Think Like Heaven, Change Your Thinking. This book. Okay. On the website, when it's about us, it has, we have an about us. On, I say what is my favorite book, and I put down that this is my favorite book I've ever read. Yeah. On my website. So um, it's called, titled Think Like Heaven, Change Your Thinking, Change Your World. And I wanted to call it Think Like Heaven, Don't Stink Like Hell. But the... Um, Publisher said, no, that won't work. So anyway, it talks about what heaven is, how to access heaven, and when you do, how you get thoughts from heaven, it changes the earth. So there you go. Um, I'm going to do something very miraculous. I'm going to do an hour and a half sermon in 10 minutes. <laughs> it's going to be really good. And then I'm going to release something corporately to you guys. Are you guys okay? Because I feel unusually good, which I'm kind of scared about. Something about you guys that's making me stay up late. So go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 17 and 18, just two scriptures, and then I want to pray for you guys because you guys really need it. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to read from the New International Version, although um, this actually, I'm going to quote it from the New King James as well. It's going to be a familiar passage to some of you, most of you probably. Verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or liberty. I like the word freedom there. And so I've actually heard that translated as fun, which I think it can be translated. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is fun, which if your church isn't fun, maybe it's because God doesn't want to be there, right? So your church is fun, so it's good. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So he's connecting glory with the Spirit and freedom with the Spirit. So he says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed with Ever-increasing glory, it actually says in another translation, we are being transformed from glory to glory. Those sound like two different things, but they're both absolutely correct, which means that in the kingdom of God, that we are being transformed from something to something. And actually, something that's good is called glory. Everybody say glory. And this is one of those words that sometimes we throw around in church, and it's a church word, and we say it, in a way, and if you're going to say a church word, you sometimes need to say it with a church accent. Like, if you're going to order Mexican food, you should do it with a little bit of a, a Latin American accent, even if you're not Latin American. It's just, you don't go and order an enchilada, because that's, like, you might get something not that's, no, you say enchilada. Con guacamole and salsa. And you know, and if you go to a Latin, about 25% of my home church is, is Latin American. We are, we're actually 50% um, African American, about 20% Latin American, and, and there's a few 
just gringos like me there too, right? So we love it. I love our church. It's very multicultural. And you have to learn to say thing, things, you know, when you go to Italy, you don't order stuff like, you don't, you say it, you say it with an Italian you know, accent. You have to say it that way. Well, when you say glory, you have to say it with a church accent. And that, that's like this. It's like glory. <laughs> right? Glory. Come on, you guys. It's not glory. You got to put a little T.D. Jakes on it. Glory. <laughs> I mean, there's some things that Jakes just says the way it should be said. You know what I'm saying? There's sometimes you just have to use a preacher accent when you're preaching. Don't give me no glory. Give me glory. So you are moving from glory to glory. <laughs> do you want to go to a church that has glory? Or do you want to go to a church that has glory? <laughs> so give me some glory. So you have to know how to say it in order to really understand what it means. And sometimes it's how you say it that really determines what it means anyway. The second thing is, is that you're moving from something that's good. Glory is good, right? But glory is better. So where God's taking you guys, where you've been, doesn't mean where you've been is bad. It just means where he's taking you is better. You're going from glory to glory. You're moving from glory to glory. And if you're going to define something, you really do have to define it. You know, the word glory literally means the reputation or substance of a thing. And so sometimes you understand words by the culture that you're from. You know, I learned that the word fine in my wife's family is not fine. Like when I got married and my wife went, got ready to go somewhere and she get dressed up and she came out and said, how do I look? And I said, you look fine, honey. Oh, that's not fine. Because it takes like a half an hour to find the right outfit until I learn how to say the word fine. Because in her family, the word fine was like just barely adequate subpar. Like, that's fine. No, you got to know how to say the word fine. You lean in, put your head like this, your eyebrow up, you're fine. You say it like a southerner. You're fine, honey. That's fine. So something is defined not just by how you say it, but what it means to a person. And so I want to define glory for you in a way that, that you can understand it. Now I can show you, tell you the way that guys will understand it better or girls will understand it. Which do you want first? Okay, so I'll do the guys then. Okay. <laughs> the reason is guys have a short attention span. So just, you know, let's let them get them out of the way. Okay, guys, ready? One word, glory. Bacon. <sighs> like at the mention of its name, it walks into the room. Just doesn't it? It's like, did you feel the atmosphere shift right there? I said the word bacon. It was like, oh, I think I smell it right now. I smell bacon. Because you know that when you have bacon for breakfast. You don't just have bacon. You kind of become bacon, don't you? I mean, there's a reputation. There's a substance to it. Like when I cook bacon at home and there's a cloud that fills the temple. <laughs> My wife's like, are you burning something? I'm like, no, nah, it's the glory, honey. It's the glory. When you cook bacon, you don't cook bacon and eggs. You, cook, you don't cook eggs and bacon. You cook bacon and then you cook the eggs in the glory. Right? So you, you go, you're, you see, you're getting it. You're getting This is the glory. It gets on you. Like you're driving to work. You're like, oh, I still smell the bacon. You know what I mean? People are like, did you get a new cologne? It's the glory. 
that's the residue that comes with bacon. And actually, that's kind of an old covenant understanding because the Bible says that when Moses got in God's presence, his face shined with the glory. It was a residue of who God was that got on him. But when he left God's presence, the residue faded, the glory faded, which is why he put a veil on his face. So they didn't know the residue, the glory was diminishing. It was a diminishing glory. But he said, no, you with unveiled face, behold the Lord and you're changed from glory to glory. Which leads me to the woman's version, which is really more biblical women. Okay. Here's, let me describe glory for you. And guys, you should really get this if you're going to be successful at relationship, okay? The longer you're married to someone, the more you love them, the more you look like them. Scientifically true. It's not a joke. It's true. Unless you love your dog more, then you start to look like your dog. And that's, (laughs) some people look more like their dog. But the longer you're married, you start to look like your spouse more. The reason is this. When you look at someone face-to-face over a long period of time, you start to mimic their facial muscles. So you literally start to form your face and look like them because what you look at over a long period of time, you start to look like. What you look at, you start to look like. Who are you beholding with unveiled face? Him. Maybe the reason we feel stuck going from glory to glory is because we think we're trying to get somewhere and God's trying to get us to look like someone. What I like about this church, I don't know you guys well. I've only been here a couple times, but you look a lot more like Jesus than the last time I was here. Like, you look beautiful. You are beautiful last time. But I'm just saying the church is moving from glory to glory. In fact, you're moving from glory to glory because on your way to You're going through something, aren't you? Because you're here at glory, and you're on your way to glory. But on your way to, you go through. And this is actually what determines what you're going to look like when you get there. Because what you're looking at on your way to something is what you're going to look like when you get somewhere. And sometimes what happens is we get stuck in the two. And we pass through the season where it's like, man, stuff's going really good. All my prayers are being answered. I lay hands on the sick and they're recovering. I get all the words of knowledge right. And then I'm going to glory because I like this, but I want more, Jesus. And when you ask for more, what does he do? He takes you from glory to. To. No, to. Like, you're, you're, you're not glory yet. You're in two. And that's when oh, not everybody's getting healed anymore and all the words of knowledge aren't coming true anymore and it doesn't feel the same anymore. Why? Because you're not in the glory and you're not in the glory. You're in the two. And it's a good place to be because that's where you're being transformed into his image. And it feels like you're actually going backwards, but you're not. You're just in a place you've never been before. Because if you got to get from here to here, you got to go through something. On your way to, you go through. On your way to, you're going to go through. Turn to someone and say, on your way to, you're going to go through. So what you're going through is prophesying what you're going to. You're going to a greater glory. 
you're going to a greater glory and you're going through something right now. And the reason is because you've been standing in this place and God wants to take you to this place. But in order for you to get from this place to this place, whatever is here has to be displaced, has to move out of your way. And so you face this resistance and it's not an attack against you. It's an offensive attack against the enemy. You're taking new territory. You're going places you've never been before. That's why you're going through stuff you've never been through before because you're going somewhere you've never been. He's taking you from glory to glory. And Everyone who grows in the kingdom of God goes through this place. And we move through this place, this in-between place, and we find ourselves in the place called the unknown, where it's not where we were and it's not where we're going, and we find ourselves in a place called the unknown, and we say, God, what are you doing? And that's the wrong question. It's not what, it's who. (laughs) It's not where, it's who. It's who am I, turn, I going to look like when I get there. He's doing something in me because he wants me to look like him. And this place of the unknown has to be passed through in order to discover the new thing that God wants to do. Because if you never get to the unknown, you never have the ability to create the uncreated. An artist doesn't paint a picture over an old picture. He takes a blank canvas. It's the unknown. An author doesn't write a book over an old book. He takes a blank sheet. And the unknown releases the creativity of God for you to see what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, was never entered into the imagination of man. The things that God has in storehouse, the things that God has in store for those who love him. It happens in the unknown. In the two, you pass through uncertainty. Everybody say uncertainty. I hate uncertainty. I hate it. I didn't like it when I was a kid. I don't like it as an adult. I never liked vacation because road trips with my dad, who never stopped for the bathroom, caused me to have years of sozo. And because I was the fourth kid, I would always get that middle seat and the middle squish between my sisters. And I was okay as long as I didn't ask my dad the question too many times. When are we going to get there, dad? But after four times in the first 15 minutes, my dad's answer was no longer, well, get there when we get there, son. The answer was, son, go in the back. Which, with the powder blue station wagon with the wood paneling on the side, the back seat is facing backward. You're in the back back. That's terrible for a prophetic kid. You're like, I feel like I'm going forward, but I'm facing the past. (laughs) Because I want to know what's going on. I don't like uncertainty. But can I tell you something? If you don't have uncertainty, you can't have expectation. If you don't have uncertainty, you can't have hope. The seed of, a, of hope is always planted in the soil of uncertainty, which means if I know what's going to happen, I don't have to create any expectation. I understand without uncertainty, you don't have worry either because worry and hope are planted in the same soil. It all depends on what seed you start with. And God is putting the soil of uncertainty in your life because he wants to create a greater hope inside of you. The third thing that happens on the way through, on the way to, is you have also this feeling of the unfamiliar. Say the unfamiliar. I don't like the unfamiliar. I like to know. I don't, I, honestly, I like people that I know. Like I, I'm this person. I, like I had my best friend growing up is still my best friend now. I'm just loyal. I like that. But I've learned to embrace the unfamiliar. Why? Because in the unfamiliar is when you discover the undiscovered. 
It's where you discover the secrets of God. It's in the unfamiliar places, the dark places. In fact, did you ever hear of the phrase deja vu? It means when you have an experience that's new, but it seems familiar to you, right? Deja vu. I just had deja vu. I feel like this happened before. Well, there's an opposite experience that's just as true. It's called vujade. Did you ever hear that? Sounds like something you say to your wife when you're romantic. Hey, honey, vujade. Hey, honey, not today. No, just kidding. (laughs) It actually is the opposite. It's a true experience. It's when you experience something that's familiar, common, but you experience it in a new way. Have you ever sang an old song that you sang many times, but that one moment you're just like, whoa. That happens to me every time I hear the hymn in the garden. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. He walks with me, talks with me, tells me I am his own. The position of my heart can actually have me singing an old song with a new heart. In fact, you know when the Bible says sing to the Lord a new song? It doesn't mean make up new songs. It actually means the rebuilt, the restored, the refurbished the renewed song. Maybe the new thing God is doing is for us to take the old thing, sing it with a new heart. I love new songs. All I'm saying is sometimes the new song is the old sign sung with a new heart. And if you sing a new song with an old heart, it's still an old song. Figure that out. All right. What I'm saying is, is that, in fact, this happens in business. Do you know most new business ideas are actually old ideas just refurbished in a new way? All right. Some of, the most, some of the most incredible business startups have just been new things, just repackaged in a new way, finding a new market for them. Okay, I say all that to say, I believe that God has taken you guys to a new place, but you're passing through uncertainty. I believe he's giving you the ability to create what's never been created before, so you're passing through the unknown. I believe that you're going to do what eye has not seen, ear has not heard, what's never entered into the imagination of man, but it's when you pass through that which is familiar, but you see it with a new heart, that you don't get an old heart. You keep a new heart. In fact, the new wineskin is not a new wineskin. It's the old wineskin dipped in oil, refurbished, renewed, rebuilt. Maybe God isn't throwing away old wineskins. Maybe what he's doing is he's dipping the church back in the oil again and again and again until it's soft and pliable again. We see a great illustration of this. We see it in um, John 14 through 17. Jesus is about to leave. He's about to do a new thing. He's about to be resurrected. He's about to create the new creation in Christ. And he's, he's getting ready after three and a half years with his disciples to leave them. And he said, guys, I got to go. And they're like, where, where are you going? He's like, I go to prepare a place for you. They're like, why? He's like, well, so where I am, you can be also. Well... How are we going to get there? I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Well, show us the Father now. How long have I been with you? And you haven't seen me. If you see me, you've seen my Father. If you've heard my words, you've heard my Father's words. If you've seen the works that I do, you've seen my Father's works. And the whole time, I'd be having, like, every time they ask a question, he creates another puzzle. It's like, what? Guys, I'm going. Where are you going? I'll have to prepare a place for you. What? Where? Where? That's, I have to go. Why? Because so if I go, you can be where I am too. Well, how are we going to get there if you go? 
I am the way to get there. I'm the truth. Every time Jesus tells you a new thing, it doesn't really answer a question. It just creates another question. How frustrating is that? It's not frustrating. It's called glory to glory. <laughs> and so Jesus is actually creating this conversation because he gets them to the place. That he's not talking about going to heaven so that they can go with him. I was, grew up thinking that's what he meant. No, no, because he describes it. He goes, oh, by the way, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to my father except through me. Well, show us the father. How long have I been with you? My words are the, my father's words. My deeds are my father's deeds. And then he goes, and in my father's house, there are many rooms and there's room for many. Finally, we know where he's taking them. He's taking them to a place called the father's house. He's taking them to a place where there's many rooms and there's room for many. And he's not saying someday you're going to get there. In fact, what he's saying is where I am, you may be also. So they were actually operating under a level of glory, right? They laid hands on the sick and they saw them recover. They cast out demons in his name. They raised the dead. They cleansed the leper. And Jesus said, hey, guys, I'm going. Why? So that where I am, you may be also. Well, where is he? He's in the Father's house. Where can you be in the Father's house? See, I think what Jesus was saying was this. Not I'm going away and someday you'll be with me. But basically, I want to open up a new way so that you can get into a, a new lifestyle that you're not just doing what you see me do, but actually you get to know the Father and you do what the Father is doing. And Jesus said, I go to be with the Father so that the works that I do and even greater works than these will you do because I go to be with the Father. Same conversation. So the greater works, the glory to glory. And by the way, there's a lot of debate about that scripture. Let me just define two words for you. The word greater means greater. Greater. Everybody say greater. See, we know greater is. Two is greater than one. Three is greater than two. Greater. Greater. Well, maybe it's a metaphor. He's not talking metaphorically. Because he's talking about the Father's works. And he did the Father's works. And he said, the works that I do, which are the Father's works, you will do. And by the way, the word works there is used 30 times in the Gospels for miracles. It's not exclusively used for miracles, but 30 times in the Gospels, it's used for the works of Jesus, the miracles. Jesus did works, and he works there. So it does include miracles. So you can say, I go to be with the Father, and you'll do greater miracles. First of all, the miracles I did... And greater miracles than these will you go to do because I go to be with the Father. You can debate about the greater, but maybe just work on what Jesus did first, okay? The works that I do. And what did he do? He said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. When you've heard my words, you've heard my Father's words. When you've seen the works that I do, you've seen the works of my Father. Maybe what Jesus is saying is, now, because I go, you can, show, you can come into the Father's house and you can show people what the Father looks like. You can show the people what the Father sounds like. You can show people what the Father would do. You're the demonstration of the, the visible demonstration of the invisible God. Jesus came to show us what the invisible God looked like, the silent God sounded like, the God that people couldn't see act, acting, what it would act like. And we get to be Jesus' representatives, doing what the Father did saying what the Father said, 
acting like the father acts. But what happens is, is we, we have a hard time making this transition because we're not where we were. We're not where we're going and we feel stuck. And sometimes it's natural life change. Sometimes it's just going from glory to glory. We get there. I was, I've been there. Just to be honest with you, I've been there. I've navigated through it the last couple of years just because of natural changes. In 2016, it was one of those years where I was not in glory and I was not in glory. I was somewhere else. And from glory to glory, what do you go through? Someone said you go through hell. That's where you go through I don't know if it's hell, but it definitely isn't glory, and it's not glory. So it feels like something other than glory. It's just natural changes, some professional changes, some stuff in my church. My, both of my daughters, one was in college in Pennsylvania. One was at Bethel for the first year. So a little empty nest time that was different for me. I was always, I'm always a guy that knew what the plan was, knew how to execute the plan, but I couldn't that year. In fact, my girls left for college at the end of 2016, a Christmas break, and they went back, and then my dog died a month later. And, like, I cried when my girls went to school. I cried more when my dog died. <laughs> and I was really disappointed by that and I, until I read this story about it was like a Catholic priest and an evangelical and a, a Jewish rabbi. They were talking, and they were debating when life begins. And the Catholic said, I believe, or one of them said, I believe it begins at conception. The other evangelical said, I believe it begins at birth. And then they asked the Jewish guy, where do you think life really begins? He paused, and he thought, and he said, well, life really begins when the youngest leaves home and your old dog dies. Then you can really start living. I'm like, oh, that doesn't feel like life. <laughs> And I remember sitting in my chair at home and I said to the Lord, I, I can't, for the first time in 20 years, I can't, I can't create the future. I can't see. I can't paint that picture. This is my job to do this and I can't see it, God. I need to know what you want to do and I need to know where you're at in the middle here. Help me. I literally was just having this conversation with God. And he said, you're in the same place you've always been. And I'm like, that's not helpful. Because I don't want to be in the same place. And literally, I have this picture. Listen to this. It took about 10 seconds to walk me through this. and take me about 30 seconds to describe it to you. So something that happened when I was five years old. We moved from a little house to a big house. I have four siblings and my three sisters. I shared a room with two of them in the old house, little house. And that sozo is helpful for that as well. Moved into the bigger house. I had my own room. I woke up. Five years old, my own room, big room, by myself, scared. I hear my sister, my next oldest sister, downstairs. So I run down the stairs, and she said, this house is huge. I'm like, huge. It's like we became Donald Trump. Huge. Just kidding. And so, sorry to get politics into it. So she said, let's go look around. And so my, my, my sister and I started to explore the house, and we found this closet off of our kitchen, like a pantry. And it was dark in there. We went to the corner. We found these old slate chalkboards that were in there with these old pieces of chalk and, and erasers that the last owners had left there. And we took these chalkboards and we went outside. We we're just sitting outside. We we're drawing on the chalkboard. And a friend came from next door, a neighbor. We had never met her. She introduced herself to us. We started drawing on the board. There wasn't enough board. So we just drew on the sidewalk and we were drawing all over the sidewalk. And this literally 10 seconds, this picture, I'm sitting in my chair asking the Lord, where are we going next? What are we doing next? And he said, we're, always, we're in the same places we've always been. And I said, what does that mean? And he showed me this picture. And I said, what does this mean? He said, that's the Father's house. That's where Jesus was taking his disciples. 
And it's the place where you've always been. You see, he said, you see, when you transitioned at that age, I was showing you something about me that will never change. And right now, I'm moving you into a bigger space, and it feels scary because it's not the old space. It's the new space, and it's the unknown. But when you're in the unknown, you have permission to explore. And when you begin to explore, guess what you discover? You find new gifts hidden in the darkness. Stuff that I hid for you, I left that there for you. And I have gifts for you in this season if you're willing to explore in the unknown places. You'll find the new, the, fam un the familiar, the unfamiliar becoming familiar. You find new gifts. You find new ways to use them. And when you begin to exercise those gifts, I connect you with new people that you need to be connected with in that season. You're not alone. You're in the Father's house. And I give you permission to explore. I give you permission to experience experiment with your new gifts. I, get you, I give you permission to experience new connections in this season because I'm taking you from glory to glory. And let me tell you, that's exactly where you are, whether you've been through a divorce, whether you've been through a betrayal or business uh, um, bankruptcy, whether you've been through a health crisis, whether you've been a really good place, whether you've seen the sick heal, whether you've seen, you know, miracles on the mission field, maybe you've seen a measure of the success. Can I tell you, there's no other way to go from glory to glory, but then to explore the Father's house, because in the Father's house, there's many rooms, and there's room for many. And God's giving you a chance to explore. You don't have to stay stuck in the old. You can enter into the new, but the only way you get there is to explore in the unknown, is to expect something new in the uncertainty, and to experience something new out of the unfamiliar and the familiar places. And I believe as a church, I believe as individuals, I believe as the body of Christ, God is inviting us to launch out into the unknown and to do the impossible, to go into the uncertain and expect the unseen to become seen and to move into a space where even what's been familiar, now even with prophecy, we start to take risks, start to write down names. We start to step out of the water, out of the boat in a new way and walk on water in a new way. I don't want the supernatural to become commonplace to me. I want to go from glory to glory. I don't want to just get stuck in a place where I get words of knowledge just for one thing. I want to go from glory to glory. I don't want to just sing the songs in the same old way. I want to sing new songs with a new heart, old songs with a new heart. I want to have a new heart when I sing. I don't want to be an old wineskin. I want to be dipped in oil. I want to be softened up. I don't want to have a heart of stone. I want to have a heart of flesh. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because we can so easily get complacent in the old glory or we could so easily get stuck in the two and God has prepared a place for you so that where he is you may be also and that place is this place where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom that's the place he's taking you to but that's the place you're living from because where he is you may be also which means he is here right now in the in-between he is here right now in the own glory he is here right now in the new glory and he's saying where I am there's freedom where I am you're already free so you may be struggling with an addiction but you're living in a place called freedom because where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom you may be struggling with the the stuff that the church has done to you, but you're living in a place called freedom because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You may be waiting for a revival. You may be waiting for a miracle. You may be waiting for a breakthrough in your family, but you're still in a place called freedom because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
So don't, don't think that you're stuck in the in-between because you're living in a place called? So if you're waiting for your miracle, if you're waiting for your financial breakthrough, go ahead and explore the unknown. Go ahead and experiment in places that are unfamiliar. Go ahead and experience uncertainty and begin to create new expectation. But don't get stuck in that place because God's moving you from glory to glory. Amen? All right, stand to your feet. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name, God. Lord, that storehouse is not stuck, God. I thank you that Dallas-Fort Worth is not stuck. I thank you that revival is not going to get stuck in some kind of humanly generated you know, culture that looks like success but is just stagnancy. God, I thank you that you're breathing a new, fresh wind, a new spirit of refreshing on the revival culture. And God, I thank you what you did 21 years ago. I thank you for the Toronto revival. Thank you for the Pensacola revival. I thank you for what you did in Lakeland. But I, God, I thank you that there's a new glory that's coming in this time, God. I thank you, Father, for, for the vineyard music and the Maranatha music. I thank you, Father, for the Hillsongs music. I thank you for Bethlehem Jesus Calls. I thank you for all all this new sounds that have come out. But God, I thank you that we can sing the old songs with a new heart. And you can breathe a new heart into a new wineskin and create new songs that are sung with a new heart. God, I thank you, God, that you're doing something new. And it's the old thing, refreshed, renewed, rebuilt. God, I thank you that you're breathing on 70 and 80-year-olds. That they're going to see promises fulfilled. They're going to see prayers that they've prayed for decades be fulfilled. And I thank you that you're breathing on seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, 17 and 18-year-olds. I thank you that this move of God is not a generational move. It's a move of God that is an intergenerational move. It's not about a generation that's young or old. It's about a generation that seeks your face. And we all with unveiled face are beholding you. And we are being transformed from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. Ever increasing glory. And God, I make a commitment never to stop not to get stuck in an old room, not to get stuck in an old house, not to get stuck in an old mindset. But God, I thank you that you get us out of a comfort zone we didn't even know we were in. You stir us out of dysfunctional relationships. You stir us out of a funk of the spiritual gifts. And you say, I want to breathe a new breath in you. I want to put a new song into you. See, I'm doing a new, a new thing. It springs up before you even see it. I announce it to you. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song. And God, I thank you that this house is going to have a new song so that they will see the new thing. They're going to have a new song so they will see the new thing. And God, I thank you that you're teaching your church to sing a new song so that we could see the new thing. And so many of us are waiting to see the new thing. And you're saying, I'm just waiting for the new song to be sung. I'm just waiting for someone to sing the new song so that we could see the new thing. And I hear the Lord say tonight, if you want to see the new thing, sing a new song. If you want to see the new thing, sing a new song. If you want to see the new thing, sing a new song. And I feel like the Lord is just begin to breathe afresh and new on this worship atmosphere, this worship culture that you built. And I hear the Lord say that this is a, this is a worship culture that I'm giving that's going to honor the old and enter into the new. You're not going to let the old be old and you're not going to let the new just be passe. But I feel like the Lord is even going to begin to breathe on some of the old hymns of the church and begin 
to breathe a new spirit on the hymns of the church. I feel like the Lord's going to give you creative ways of expressing even old songs in new ways. I even see you taking some old 80s songs and sounds. And there's like an 80s sound that's going to start to come out of this house. And I hear the Lord say, I'm making the 80s new again. I'm making the 80s new again. I feel like the Lord says, I, I, I got some angels with leg warmers that are coming. I got some, I got some flash dance anointing coming on you. I just feel like there's a, there's like a, there's like an electronica sound that's going to start to be released out of the worship. And it's so interesting how you did this unplugged worship tonight, because I felt the Lord said, man, they are usually so plugged in. They're usually so plugged in, but I feel like the Lord is saying there's going to be such a cool sound that's going to come out of this house, but it's, it's actually going to stir a new, a new atmosphere of heaven around this region. There's a new atmosphere of heaven. And I feel like it's even the sound of the nations for, I feel like the Lord says there's coming even an international worship school that the Lord is breathing on. I see even like international worshipers coming to learn how to worship here. And the Lord sending out, sending out the sound into the nations. And I saw, uh, particularly I saw uh, people from like Eastern Europe being drawn to the sound that God's bringing out of this house. And I saw even musicianaries being sent out to Eastern Europe. And I felt like the sound of the Lord was going to heal the orphan heart in places in Eastern Europe in this next season. The Lord is releasing the sound of the Lord even in places. And I feel like there's missions anointing that's coming on this on the worship out of this house. And the Lord's going to raise up uh, musicianaries that are going to go out into the nations with the sound of the Lord. So God, we thank you that you're doing a new thing. Say he's doing a new thing. And then we're going to sing the new song. So God, I thank you for the new song that you're releasing out of this place. And God, just thank you for Tracy. What's your first name? But Tracy and John, we just bless them, God. God, I just thank you for their faith, God, and their tenacity, their faith and tenacity. And I, Tracy, I even saw you like, you know, being handed like a termination contract. And, and I heard the Lord say, because you took like a termination, you turned it into a promotion because you had faith. I feel like the Lord said it wasn't the end, it was the beginning. And it was like, it looked even like something you thought was going to be renewed. The Lord said, I didn't want to renew. I wanted to rebuild something. And I feel like the Lord's brought you even to this place because God is going to forge new partnerships in you. And I feel like there's even some things that have come alongside of you in this last season, people with vision, people with resources, but also people with a heart to go all the way for the kingdom of God. And because you decided to position yourself not as an owner, but as a steward of what God gave, I feel like the Lord said there's even coming a season of ownership uh, that's coming into this house. And even though you steward other people's resources and other people's wealth, you were faithful in that other place. And I felt like there was even like, even accusations against you that you didn't take care of things well and that you didn't you steward it well. But I feel like the Lord said, you've been a faithful steward. You've been a faithful steward. And I feel like because of that, even this place where you're standing, I feel like the Lord said, the day's gonna come. You won't just be a steward of it, but you'll be an owner of it. And there's an ownership anointing that's coming on you, uh, even for the kingdom of God. And I feel like there's even coming like a, not just a, a lease that's paid in full, but I saw a deed being placed in, in your hands that you're going to see the miraculous deeds of the Lord. And I feel like there's even coming like a deed that will be like a mortgage burning that will take place because I feel like the Lord says, I don't want the fire on the altar to ever go out. So I'm going to burn the debts. I'm going to burn the mortgage. I'm going to burn. And even in your own personal lives, I feel like there's some things that you guys invested even from your own home equity your own financial resources, your own retirement counts. And I feel like the Lord says, I'm going to begin to release a year of jubilee over your lives. 
I'm going to release a, a year of Jubilee. It's the 50th year of the Jubilee sound of the Lord. And debts are going to be repaid. There's a supernatural debt repayment coming over you. And as a sign of that, there's even coming favor for finances and resources, for uh, education debt in your family to be paid off. And I feel like there's things you would want to do uh, for your family that because you invested it in the kingdom of God, you could invest in what you wanted to do for your children. But I feel like the Lord said, I'm investing in your house because you invested in my house. And I feel like there's supernatural debt repayment coming for education loans, for resources coming into your family because you took care of God's house. He's going to take care of your house. So we just declare Jubilee over you three times. Let's say it. Jubilee, Jubilee, Jubilee. And God, well, thank you. There's going to be miracles of supernatural debt repayment in this church, in this region, coming out of this ministry. If you've got like, you're just under a cloud of debt, just lift your hands to the Lord. I feel like this is a year of Jubilee where there's going to be like cars paid off in full, houses paid off in full, debts paid off, medical bills paid off in full. So Father, we just thank you in Jesus' name. We just declare the favor of the Lord. We declare that... Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. So we declare favor in Jesus' name. I declare, what's your name, sir? Brian, Brian and Brad, Brad and Sharon. Sharon. God, I just declare favor over Brad and Sharon. I feel like the Lord says, you guys have the favor of God on you. You walk in the favor of God. And there's literally like a Midas touch that God has given to you. It feels, feels like everything you touch um, brings success. But I feel like the Lord says there's a season of time that you're going through in this season where you're going to start to touch other people that look like they haven't been successful. And literally the favor of God's going to transfer to them from you in this next season. And I feel like it has to do uh, with even people of influence and affluence that God's going to connect you with in this next season. Brad, I feel like the Lord is going to give you uh, the ear of people of influence and people that um, wouldn't come into the church, you're going to bring the church to them. There's people of influence and affluence that God is going to use you to disciple in the same way that Jesus was able to go to people that were influential like Nicodemus in the ninth season, and he mentored him and discipled him when no one else knew. That there's going to be people in places of influence that you're going to mentor in this next season. And daughter, I feel like this is a year where God says, I'm going to begin to release the fullness of the promises of God in your life because God has made you more than a conqueror. He's made you an overcomer. And things that the devil tried to throw at you, you thought you just survived. But I hear the Lord say, you're not just a survivor, you're an overcomer. And, and God is making you more now, more than a conqueror, more than a conqueror, more than a conqueror. And I feel like this has to do uh, even with a gift of healing that's going to begin to rise up out of you like never before. And I saw an anointing to crush the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet in this season. I saw you stomp down your heel and, I, and like a stiletto in the devil's eye. And I feel like the Lord is saying, you're going to crush terminal sickness. You're going to crush cancer. You're going to tr- crush even, even premature death. And I feel like there's an anointing for healing that's going to break off the power of 
tumors on people's lives, going to break off the power of terminal illnesses in people's lives. And I feel like there's literally a new degree of the spirit that God's putting over your head. And it's a healing degree. He's lifting up the level of authority in the area of healing that's going to release the healing power of God. So Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. God, I thank you. And I feel like the Lord says this is going to be a season where God's called you to be a bridge builder in the body of Christ. And because there were places where you were and you had to leave that you didn't burn bridges, you didn't burn the bridges, God says you're going to build bridges, not just back to places where you've been, but you're going to build bridges in leaders in this region. You're going to build bridges between churches and leaders in this region because of the way that you've stewarded um, things that have come against you, the way that you've stewarded and you didn't become offended when people were offended by you, you didn't become offended by them. I feel like the Lord says there's an anointing to build bridges because the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called the son and the daughter of God. And you'll be making peace in churches. You'll be making peace between the church and the community. You'll be making peace between the church and and people. In fact, I feel like I saw a a new level of negotiating seal coming on you and this next season, and you're going to be known as the deal maker in the kingdom of God. And I feel like there's an anointing even for some big deals that you're negotiating right now that the Lord says in this next season, there are some deals that you're in part of that look like you're in the middle of that's a deal breaker. But I hear the Lord say, I'm turning it from deal breaker to deal maker. I'm turning it from deal breaker to deal maker. And I feel like there's even a coming of fresh anointing for uh, some even some uh, property negotiation that God is going to turn from deal breakers to deal makers in this next season. And so, Father, I thank you that you are connecting uh, the favor that's on his life and turning deals that look like they're deal breakers into deal makers. And he'll be known as a deal maker in the kingdom of God, a deal maker that creates win-wins, a deal maker that knows how, because I feel like the Lord says, you took your win and you turned it into a win for the kingdom of God. And now I'm about to cause there to be not just a win, but literally a windfall of prophets that are going to come in this next season. What looked like a win in the last season will be a windfall for the kingdom of God. Literally, I saw God take everything you have and put another zero at the end of it. And the Lord say, there's a windfall that's coming in this next season because you've allowed your heart to be turned totally toward me. And so, Father, I thank you. You're taking deal breakers and turning them into deal makers. And I thank you, Father, you're taking them to a new level of favor in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a shout, amen. If you've been inspired by this message, we invite you to partner with us by visiting storehousedallas.com forward slash give.